Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Two Wizards, Two, uh, Two Wizards and a Mic. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I am Shane, and I am Andrew, and we are here to talk about all kinds of things D and D because we're old. We know everything as old people do, and we are we enjoy doing it. So I'm glad you're here. And uh, today we're talking all about. Uh, player tips for delving into dungeons. Uh, but before that, any updates on the Kickstarter? Yes, uh, yes, we're at uh, just over, looking live here, just over 70%, 379 generous backers. And Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern is the halfway point. So... Nice. So we're really good, over 70, just over 70% with uh, 16 days to go. And um, yeah, people all from all over the world, as we were talking about last time, I find it endlessly fascinating to find out where all these people are from. And um, I think the leading city right now is still Los Angeles for backers. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then Toronto, Vancouver, where we are, and Toronto are next. And then, um, yeah, and then in the countries, it's interesting. We almost have as many backers from the UK as we do from Canada. And we have a lot from Germany. Um, and then Australia this week, Australia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, we had quite a few new backers from those places. Well, it's pretty awesome because, uh, you know, small publishers deserve the love. And, of course, I'm biased because I want Andrew to succeed. Uh, and there you go. Uh, and, of course, speaking of Andrew, this podcast is sponsored by Kaywood Publishing at worldofmere.com. And, of course, you can go there and you can learn all about the Kickstarter. And uh, Or if you're already on Kickstarter, do a search for Kaywood Publishing and you'll find it there as well. Um I'm just kind of I I'm kind of jazzed. Seventy percent, man, that's awesome. Yeah, and the really cool thing that I've mentioned before is that we're way ahead in the process. Today I was doing editing and formatting for the for the manuscript, which is nice. currently 157 pages, 45,000 words, and that includes all the monsters and the trap section. All of the stretch goals are that's already all there which we hope to reach but i have to make the book you know with that in mind and uh, yeah it's it's really moving along usually we it's taken at least two or three months after the kickstarter to finish the manuscript and the editing it will likely be finished when the kickstarter is done awesome i mean how many kickstarters can really say that the ones that i've sponsored not many yeah, uh, that's true. I think that all Kickstarters should finish their product before they are funded. <laughs> and that way people don't. I, I mean, I've heard so many horror stories. But anyway, that's neither here nor there yeah. because you're ahead of the game. Today, uh, the what is the number one tip for people when they're a player and delving into their dungeon for the first time uh, or even their 20th or 100th time? What is that first thing they run into? Well, the number one tip I would give would be recon and really? strategy. Oh, 
What? Yeah. Planning? Not just yeah. barreling in head first? <laughs> yeah, it'd be the opposite of Leroy Jenkins. It would be <laughs> scout ahead, send the send the uh the rogue or the druid to scout ahead or your familiar or your animal companion yeah. if you're a ranger. Yeah, scout ahead, make a plan. It it's more important in a dungeon almost than anywhere else because you could be there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And you might not be able to get out easily. I know that as a player, when I've been uh, going into most, actually closed-in spaces in general, um, I know that our group tends to be a little more on the cautious side. However, there have been a couple of times where somebody has either triggered a trap uh, or has failed miserably on a stealth check. And, uh, you know, suddenly you have like a, a bugbear up your butt. But... Um, but yeah, most of the time, that's actually really good advice because most of the time, I think by default, it's like, okay, who's going to go first? All right, who's at, who's at the front? Oh, I don't know. My stealth isn't that great. Okay, I'm gonna, so-and-so should go in. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, that's actually not the first thing I would have thought of either as a player to be like, okay, guys, what are we doing? Who's going to be prepared? We think yeah. there's going to be a something such in there. So oh, that's really cool. That's very cool, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's something that happens sometimes too, but it... You know, I think you're probably going to be more successful if you do it consistently. And I actually yeah. really like that part of the game, uh, the strategy part. And um, be, yeah, it's I, I think it's really fun. Um, of course, light is going to be an issue for most dungeons. So, you know, having torches, uh, having some characters who have dark vision, that's an issue for sure. Because torches eventually burn out, lanterns run out of, you know, oil. Um, yeah. Dark vision is not what a lot of people play it as. It has limits to it. Um, and if you have a combination, your dark vision gets wrecked because you can't have dark vision if somebody's holding a torch next to you. You can't use it. I, it's funny you say that because that is one of the tips that I have always thought about is when you are going in, forget the dark vision just because you have it doesn't mean everybody does and uh, mm -hmm. you know there have been so many times where we've been playing and it's like okay so uh torches are up and it's like ah well now i can't see 60 feet in front of us i can now see you know 30 thanks yeah. for that um yeah i mean it's it's a trade-off and you have to basically everybody join hands let's not okay step or i step i mean that's the only other way um <laughs> yeah it, it's it's really part of the dungeon crawl style too of adventure because you have this methodical pattern of listening and checking for traps and then moving ahead slowly and really that actually works part of the reason that works and it happens is because of because of the light issue too well especially um, when people are are going okay i'm going to tap the floor in front of me and I think a whole bunch of times I often wonder, okay, you're doing that to look for traps, mm -hmm. but traps are not always on the ground. They're <laughs> elsewhere. They can be anywhere. Mm -hmm. And aside from like, I don't know, collapsing floors in hindsight, it's like, why would you bother? Just do a stealth check and, and ask the, 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 the DM to be like, okay, I'm going to be going through, uh, I'm going to be looking at the floor. 
I'll be paying attention to the walls, you know. I'm going to go real slow. Uh, because, yeah, tapping the floor is like the default for, for our yeah. players anyway. Yeah. Well, there's some really basic traps, right? Like the pit trap and trip wires and things that you could trigger with the pole or the floor just collapses. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another issue is marching order. Usually you want to have your warriors, your tanks at the front, because that's where most of the action is, but that's not always true. And you want to have, you know, your, your people with lower armor class towards the back. But you want to consider it because of the next point of close quarters. There are a lot of close quarters in dungeon, um, dungeon crawls. There's lots of melee combat. It can be hard to move to reach a creature or to reach one of your party members. So it really helps. Like it can even help if, like, say you're a, a wood a wood elf who has 35 um, feet movement instead of the regular 30 or you only have 25 because you're a halfling, a gnome, or a dwarf, those differences actually can make a huge difference. It can be life or death. So it's something to consider um, of where you have people in the party and where do you want to move to because it can really make a big difference. Well, it, it goes back to our episode uh, on, um, on traps. Uh, which was episode 40-something, uh, maybe 30-something, probably 40-something. But um, one of the things that you and I talked about was uh, marching order and having traps or even wandering monsters, which we didn't talk about too long ago, uh, approaching from the back. Uh, right. Because it's always like the assumption that in front of you is where the danger is going to come from. But, you know, dungeons have more than one path and... You know, you might have some large creature wander up right behind your, you know, magic user and tap them on the shoulder and say hi. Uh, you know, and then of course everyone has to scramble to turn around. Uh, but uh, but it's still important because most of the time, uh, I think the danger is de definitely going to come from where you're going to. But uh, you know, there's evil DMs out there that want to keep their players on their toes. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a fun change for sure. Um, then another issue is rations and water. So you want to make sure you're really prepared with that before you go in because, you know, potentially you could be there for days or weeks. You never know. Yeah. Um, and then mapping. So in the old school version, the players actually mapped out where they went. And some people still do that. And that's pretty fun. Um but if you don't do that, you want to make sure your players have a map or, you know, at least you're paying attention to where you're going. So that's that's yeah. a really important part. So you don't get lost and, and you know your way out. Well, there's that balance between having the, the battle map or some sort of uh, setup in front of you and your characters can see everything. Uh, there's no fog of war or whatever they call yeah. it. But... There's, I think there's kind of a, a really interesting adventure element for players when they're when they're delving through dungeons, uh, specific uh, specifically. Maybe a map of the outdoor regions is okay, but when you actually go inside, I don't know. There's something kind of, I guess, because we've been playing it for so long. There's a romantic notion in my mind about, well, we can see stuff in front, mm -hmm. uh, we can see stuff in back behind us, but we shouldn't be able to see the whole area like um 
like there's times where you've played with maps where the maps are covered and you reveal them because you have tiles on top of them or something. Um, but I don't know that that kind of takes away from, you know, somebody actually sketching it out while they're going. Um, I guess on a battle map, you know, having the players draw it out, maybe like the DM describes it and we draw it kind of thing. Might yeah. That's, that's how, graph. that's how it started. That's, that's, yeah. you know, at the beginning of D and D that's what it was like. Yeah. And I'm the same. I like revealing it. And then once the whole dungeon has been opened, then I then I make sure the whole map, the whole battle mat. But I, I like revealing it piece by piece. Again, to me, that's a dungeon crawl. That's the style. Oh, exactly. And that's kind of how it should be. But I think a lot of people are spoiled by, you know, somebody just throwing a, a pre-generated map on the table and saying, okay, here's where we're yeah. at. Where in reality, your characters have never been there. Your yeah. characters don't really know what's going on. Well, it's it's a very video game thing, right? Like in Skyrim, you can just switch True. over to the map of where you're going. Although, although it doesn't show where you where you haven't been yet, does it? No, no, it doesn't. No, but it does help if you get really lost. <laughs> well, and that's and that I think it's that's where the romantic notion part comes from. Is that mm -hmm. I I like the idea that people could get lost. I get lost in real life every once in a while. You know, it's like, where the hell am I? Well, I don't know where I'm. I, I, where's the thing I'm supposed to be going to? But in D and D, I mean, to me, there's this whole idea of like, if your players get lost, you know, God's not going to come down and say, turn left. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be like, I'm sorry, uh, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going to turn around and go back the way we came. All right, cool, you can do that. But you know, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's I think. Ultimately, it's probably one of the hardest things to do is in uh, in uh, delving through dungeons specifically. So, but uh, but aside from that, we have classes that are helpful in uh, in the in in the deep dark. Yeah. So features of classes. So very simply, for the barbarian, they're really useful because of all the tight quarters and the melee combat, you know, their rage feature and their reckless attack. <clears throat> Both of those are really useful. You, it really helps to have a warrior of some sort with your party, at least one. Yeah, I agree. I remember we had a party a while ago and nobody was a fighter. Nobody was a barbarian. Yeah. And then I think we changed right before, like before, because you commented, uh, you guys don't have a blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, it does help quite a bit. Um, and then bards, like there's a lot of healing for 5e classes. So the healing that bards have, and just overall that bards are jack of all trades, they can do everything. So having yeah. a bard is pretty useful. Um, you know, like we we're just saying, have a war, you need to have a warrior. If you had a bard who was part sort of a warrior that would be that would cover you um, because they can just do so much right uh cleric wise obviously the healing we won't get into that because that's going to be helpful anywhere so the trickery domain there's a couple of features one called invoke duplicity when you create a duplicate of yourself so that's another really useful one as well as the cloak of shadows where you can become invisible so invisibility, hiding yourself are even more useful in a dungeon than in other places. 
So I think I the agree because cleric, yeah, oh, definitely cleric would be great. Yeah, because I mean, most people in dungeon crawls just eh, they go in first uh, without really thinking. Uh, and strategy like that, like the the duplicity, I instantly thought of uh, a la Arnold Schwarzenegger in the original uh, uh, Total Recall. Okay. He had that device that you know made a duplicate of himself across the room kind of thing, which was kind of neat. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Which could become yeah. useful and give you all kinds of options as, as a group to, okay, well, we shouldn't just go in because, you know, we're, we're, we've already had three battles today. We're too wounded. We need to find a place to rest. So, yeah, things like that could help. Yeah, and then the uh, the very uh, warrior-type clerics, like the War Domain and Tempest, those would be really useful. Yeah. Uh, the Druid with their wild shape is endlessly useful and definitely could be you know useful in scouting ahead i know shane you you've been a druid a few I, times and i do that learn. a lot i will be a yeah. spider and i will and then come back and tell everyone what's going on that's actually yeah i mean that to me that's like probably one of the most useful things of, of the druid uh in terms of dungeon crawls because mm -hmm. you know people shouldn't know what's coming around the corner Yes, I'm really beating on this whole idea, but we shouldn't see the map. We should just be completely <laughs> blind, and DMs should do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know often, like you, you said, you turn into a regular spider. So you can be a regular spider or a regular rat. Those are very small. Um, a frog, you could even, I think you could turn into a frog. Like, you could turn into a very small creature. I know once you turned into a spider and you went under the city gate into a, a settlement. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, then fighters again. The, we talked, you know, already about melee combat and being able to absorb a lot of damage at the front of the party. Um, the monks, I think, would be very useful because of their movement. They can move very quickly. They're very agile. Um, they can deflect missiles that are shot at you. You know, arrows and crossbow bolts. Um, they're able to dodge and evade, like kind of like a rogue. Um, and then they also have the melee combat. So I think a, a monk is really a good one to have uh, in the dungeon. Surprisingly. <laughs> so, well, also, what it, it is not one class that pops to mind instantly. I know, I know. Same here. I never really thought of it. But you also think, too, of all the things that could be rusted, like, by magic or by a rust monster well monk it doesn't matter they <laughs> or you get disarmed i actually more and more i like this feature i have of some monsters of ours that they can disarm creatures and um you know toss their weapons 20 feet 40 feet 60 feet so i i really love the monk in that they you know they always have their weapons with them they always have their hands and their their feet right it's so true it's so true so paladins, endlessly useful, all the healing they have, but also these auras they have. So the regular paladin for all paladins, they have the aura of protection, aura of courage. And then the Oath of Devotion has the aura of um, devotion. And Oath of the Ancients have the aura of warding. So all of these help characters that are near the paladin. And that's perfect for a dungeon crawl. Perfect. Well, yeah, because the in the dungeons are always kind of the darker creatures. You know, you're gonna might, you might run into vampires, liches, etc. Um, 
<laughs> hopefully not that often but still those those types of things are definitely going to are going to be a huge benefit like there's no way actually i haven't played a paladin for a while i kind of think maybe that's uh for the next adventure yeah uh they're probably my well yeah one of my two favorites for sure um they also you know it's it's get, you get all these bonuses for your saves if you're near them at higher levels and the you mentioned too dealing with you know dark creatures like undead and fiends and things so they're perfect yeah. for that oath of devotion have the turn they can turn undead as well uh, another reason to have a cleric too in a dungeon then rangers if you're the beastmaster subclass you have your animal companion so as we've mentioned that is very helpful for recon and a rogue is endlessly useful just in many ways like the monk uh, with their sneak attack, because, you know, an ally is close enough, so they get sneak attack. Their cunning action feature, so they can use a bonus action to dis disengage easily or dash. They have their uncanny dodge in, you know, close combat. They can avoid some of that damage. And then evasion, they if some, you know, if a spellcaster targets you in a small area, the rogue is the one person who can actually survive. And then the thief subclass you have your fast hands, you know, opening up, opening up locks, uh, your second story work so to climb, and then being very stealthy with supreme sneak, and the arcane trickster with their magical ambush ability. So rogues are really useful in a dungeon. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and they can you can stealth ahead, check things out. Um, if things get bad, they can use a bonus action to dash back or disengage. Yeah. I like uh, that uh, those characters are so versatile, like that class is so versatile in all those kinds of things. And then in, in our show notes, we have the next one is Sorcerer, which just says one thing, <laughs> stay out of melee combat. <laughs> and like, yeah. we've already had like, get in there, Paladin, get in there, Thief, yeah. and dodge around and... And it's like, dude, I'm sorry, you're the sorcerer. You got to go, go stand over. Actually, can you go around the corner? Because, you know, we don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's right. In our notes here, sorcerer and wizard, stay out of melee combat as much as possible. Uh, especially, you know, even more in a dungeon because you can get caught in that tight space. And, you yeah, know, your is, armor class is like... a lot. It ha it, yeah, it does. Uh, you know, your armor class is like 11, 12, 13 you know 14 you're in trouble right so yeah that's the the, only uh, the enemy sneezed sorcerer yeah. takes 10 damage <laughs> yeah and we're gonna get a new character um yeah that's the only note we have for sorcerer uh <laughs> warlock so the arc phase subclass pact uh, the Fey Presence and the Misty, Misty Escape. So those are useful, again, moving around in yeah. a dungeon, small, close quarters. And then the Great Old One, the Entropic Ward. So that can be which useful. I, which I don't actually know. I'm not familiar with that. I don't think I've played Great Old One. Yeah, we haven't had... I think we only had one person choose the Great Old One. So... This again in in close quarters, so they can use reaction to 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 
um, impose a disadvantage on the attack. So this is another feature because of the close quarters can can be very useful. And warlocks can use some even better armor than um, they can actually use light armor, unlike wizards and sorcerers. So a warlock is a little better suited than a sorcerer or a wizard. Although, as we'll mention now in wizards, there are many bonuses for having a wizard. One is not a bonus, which is staying out of co melee combat. Uh, although I have a high elf wizard and high elves are proficient in swords and bows. So my high elf wizard actually has a sword. So there are some exceptions. The abjuration school, you're able to ward off damage for yourself and others. So that's a useful wizard. Conjuration, bringing in, um, other creatures to help with the battle that can be really useful enchantment school you've got the hypnotic gaze which would be good in close quarters evocation the ability to sculpt spells around your party and other creatures that you know that could that could be really useful again the, the illusion school could be really useful in a dungeon to create illusions around the party um, and then finally, the transmutation school doing minor alchemy and then the transmuter stone, which gives you a lot of features, including dark vision. So that one could be a bonus as well. Um, I, I don't think I don't think we've had somebody at a high level because for wizard with 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 this because I don't remember anybody ever using it. I don't recall anyone using it though. Yeah, but it gives you it can give you dark vision. It can increase your speed by 10 feet. Um give you proficiency in con saves and resistance to different kinds of damage, so it's extremely useful. Yeah, so there are many classes that you know have these different features to help in dungeons. You know, for sure, all the warriors, the fighters, the rogue, I, I surprisingly the monk, the trickster cleric, and then a few of the wizards could be really useful. I think anything where kind of into the oh you know I hadn't I just thought of um, what is the class that does the. Um, builds and tinkers of stuff and makes little creatures that's the um that could be the alchemist which they they still don't have as an official class uh okay well then i won't talk about it because it's not official <laughs> well i just thought that might be useful in a dungeon crawl because if you could actually create like a familiar or uh you know a construct that that kind of follows them around or something that could actually be yeah useful. Oh, i think it's a good point because we you know we're talking about ways of making your game better so it can be from whatever edition and it doesn't have to be official. Oh, well, all right then. In your face, wizards. So uh, our because are, we're um... the real wizards here. Um, <laughs> oh, there's our new our new t-shirt. Um, yeah, our t-shirt definitely can be helpful for sure. 
Artificer. That's the word I was thinking yeah. of. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We have somebody who has a high level one and she often has her construct fly ahead and scout. And it can also attack. I think it spits acid and uh yeah. Oh, that's so that's right. a useful one. Oh, that's an adventure I don't think we've played in a while. But uh but yeah, I do recall that. Yeah. Yeah. Then races. Um, so with races, having dark vision is definitely useful. And I know many people who choose the half elf uh, just for that reason. <laughs> they want to play human, but they want to be able to see the dark better. So they're going to play and half. have spells and a weapon. And that's the only reason I've done it. It's like, I've got to have a sword. And then I want to be able to like hack somebody with a sword and then blast them with, you know, something else on the, on the next turn. So yeah, I, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> All right. Uh, looking at equipment, which we did a while ago, we did a whole show where we went into depth about it. This time we'll briefly just talk about the items that could be helpful in a dungeon crawl. And actually, this is going to be a section in the in our book, our Monsters of the Dungeon Kickstarter. We're going to have a little passage on this as well. So torches we've mentioned and a tinderbox, obviously, to light the torch or to make a fire in the dungeon. Uh, rations, which we've mentioned. The 10-foot pole, which Shane mentioned, can never never go wrong. Um, never. Rope. And then chalk to mark where you've been uh, to help you get out or um, to send messages or leave messages. <laughs> leave a message for them. Which, which is, I mean, that, that's important for like thieves and stuff because they can use yeah. that ability. And, and druids as well have their ability to, to be able to, to leave messages for uh, other druids and things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You could even have Definitely. a wizard use mage hand to write with the chalk and then you could leave messages for the enemy. Like we're, we're somewhere in here. We're coming to get you. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and then the piton and the hammer. So here we're in mountain climbing territory where Shane and I are. So these yeah. um, metal spikes that you can hammer into the walls or a cavern to climb and to access different areas, those could be useful. Um, a steel mirror, if you want to peek around a corner. Oil, if you need oil for your lantern or your lamp, or if you want to put it on the floor to use it as a um, some sort of obstacle, you could light it, you know, as well. Thieves' tools, alchemist fire, um, and then ball bearings. I can't believe I didn't put it down, but because I, <laughs> to me it goes, it's number one, it's caltrops. So ball bearings and caltrops are great obstacles to leave on the ground. Um, yeah. If you want to, uh, especially behind you, if you want to, if you're, you know, worrying about an attack from behind. Um, a bell to send messages or an alarm. A chain, there's many reasons you can use a chain. A crowbar. And then a grappling hook, if you want to, you know, have your rope be even more useful, have a grappling hook. Exactly. Especially when you have those moments where nobody can fly, nobody can turn into something that can fly. Uh, and, you know, cause there's been some great moments where we've played and we've done some sort of weird aerial thing because there's a druid that's able to, like, turn into a, a something that can fly and carry other people. But... Yeah, imagine getting to a wall that no one can get over. You know, 
We have to walk 10 miles that way or 10 miles that way or can we go through? No, nobody has it. Okay, well, can we climb? No, no one can climb. All right, forget Mm -hmm. it. Let's just all go back to the tavern. Yeah. Or even a magic wall because all those magic walls that are part of spells, they all have limits to them. Yeah. So you could potentially climb one of those as long as it's not the wall of fire. Um, There's also equipment packs. So there's a specific pack called the Dungeoneer's Pack in the Player's Handbook for 5th Edition, which obviously has many of these items. And then the Burglar's Pack and the Explorer's Pack could be useful too. All right. So we've looked at class features, races, equipment. Now to end, we're going to look at spells. I think the obvious one is the healing for clerics and many of the classes. That's That's a given because... It will be useful in any environment. Uh, Most of what I found are wizard spells that are really useful. One druid spell I think of right away is Pass Without Trace. That is useful. I'm I'm surprised it doesn't have a, you know, it doesn't have a limit where you have to have ground, you know, natural ground, because a lot of their spells, you have to be in the natural environment for them to work. But this one, it doesn't say anything like that. So, yeah. So, yeah. That, like, technically, you're you're allowed to do it. I don't know if I would let it go, but technically, you're allowed to do it. <laughs> um, wizards. Now, there's so many spells that are useful. So, light. Um, knock. So, getting through a locked door. Passwall. An awesome spell. I can't believe more people don't use it. It used to be a big deal. Like a lot of people back in the day, um, yeah. they would choose this spell, and now I almost never see it. So it kind of feels cheating, like you're cheating somehow. <laughs> I mean, th- I mean, I'm glad you mentioned it because I have never really, I've, you know, I look at it, I'm like, nope, I'm good. Uh, there's more, there's better spells I could use, but yeah, in a dungeon environment, that actually is powerful, very powerful. Yeah, well, it has limits on it. It's it's not like, and, you know. I'm going to go than, to the other, other than, side of the dungeon. Yeah, yeah, you can't can do that. Other than like cheating on your roles and cheating on like making your character. To me, the rest of cheating, as a dungeon master, I can always counter it, right? Perfect. Like. So I never really, I don't even think about that because, yeah, I, that's the, not, the I mean, next you time. Can always, you can always just put a red dragon in the next room or have the ceiling collapse or have a meteor hit that their house. Like, so you want to make an interesting story. So why, you know. There could always be a red dragon in the next room. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> Knock. We've unlocked the door. <laughs> Did you check for dragon fire? No, I didn't. Yeah. But there was no needle in the lock. <laughs> yeah. You definitely always have to check for dragons before you advance. <laughs> um, all right. Another great spell, Mage Hand, uh, a cantrip yeah. like the light one. Actually, a few of these are cantrips. Really useful. Um, you know, being able to carry things around move things without touching it uh dancing lights is a really good distraction spell and another cantrip 
Uh, minor illusion, another cantrip, another good distraction. Another, these are really good at, uh, again, if there's not as much light, especially the dancing lights. The alarm is a good one when you have to rest in the dungeon to set up the alarm spell. Another movement issue um, with the movement issue is expeditious retreat can make you move much better for a limited period of time. Uh, fog cloud is a great escape one to have in the dungeon. And that yeah. that one I've seen a lot uh, in the 70s and 80s and then still today. People love fog cloud. <laughs> You can never go wrong with fog cloud. I mean, being able to obscure like uh, fog cloud, uh, a swarm of insects, or whatever that one is called, uh, insect plague. But those kinds of things sometimes you kind of this doesn't happen that often. But there are times where really you should run away. Yeah, you should get out of the situation. And yeah. those kinds, like even darkness, like cast darkness by the door. Let's get the hell out of the other door. Yeah, you know those kinds of things. Uh, rarely get talked about because, you know. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. There are times to turn around. Maybe not run away from the whole adventure sometimes, but maybe you want to get out of that chamber. It's just not a good... Yeah, just, just that... Enc- I'm, I'm only thinking yeah. of the encounter, the immediate thing, because that... Yeah. yeah, running away from, like, let's go back to the tavern, which sounds cool, yeah. but if you've been in a dungeon for four days, it's completely not practical. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, Shane, like Shane mentioned, darkness, another good one. Um, grease. So this one isn't used very much. A lot of the, a lot of those sort of things, like this is another obstacle to create. So people using oil on the ground to make the ground slippery or maybe to set on fire. These kind of things are, yeah, these things are more from the original, original D&D and it haven't been used as much. Thunder wave is a great close quarter spell to blast people out of a room or knock them over, blast them into the sewer. Thunder Wave, and Thunder Wave is still popular. Never gets old. Everybody chooses nope. Thunder Wave. I love Thunder Wave. Thunder yeah. Wave, the fact that you could do some, you know, if you roll really well, you can do some decent damage, but also the fact that you push people away or push yeah. whatever you're out of way. Because the other thing too, um, and I think we've done it once because I think I did it out of the desperation because I think a couple of people were down and I wanted to move somebody uh, and uh, or something and I ended up moving a player and not the not the creature I was going for. Yeah. Uh, but my intention was, but I think it, inadvertently the player actually survived uh, and was able to get out of. Basically, they disengaged from the from the mm. the thing they were fighting because uh, they were getting pummeled. But uh, but yeah, there's little things like that that I like about that spell. Yeah, you did. It wasn't too long ago you did that. Actually, I remember that very well. Um, another great one is Arcane Lock, one that's not used much again, but a good one if you need to take rest or you just want to block, um, you know, block people following you. Uh, Cloud of Daggers, another good one in close quarters. Flaming Sphere again in close quarters, really useful. You can do a lot of damage and some of the some spells the enemy can get away from them and they just stay there, right? Like the flaming sphere. Um, so you can move and you can move these things too, but it takes another, uh, takes you another action. So that's more difficult if you're in a really close environment, close quarters where 
maybe they can't move away and the flaming sphere is just continuing to burn right next to them, right? So, so true. Or the cloud of daggers as well. Um, invisibility. Oh, cloud anything of daggers. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. Oh, cool. I, uh, anything like invisibility, yeah. hiding, all that, you know, that's obviously really good. Levitating, I think, again, can be could be useful in a dungeon environment. And locate object, you know, especially if you're searching for a particular item. So yeah. there are many, I, many spells I think that would be useful, mostly, mostly on the wizard list. I actually thought of one right now too, though, is that the paladin can cast Fine Steed, and that one is useful. I know because my paladin got into a bad situation when he got cornered in a tavern when one of the other players decided to basically throw me under the bus. <laughs> a, player, a player who did not return ever again. <laughs> but he was working for the Zentarium, the, the evil faction or shady faction anyway in the Forgotten Realms. And right. this tavern was filled with Zentarium and he blew my cover. And the only reason I survived was because I cast Fine Steed and I got out of there on this magical uh, mount. I smashed through the door and just took off and escaped. So there are a few spells here and there that can be good. Like, yeah, so, oh, actually, it takes 10 minutes to cast. I wonder if I actually, I wonder if the DM actually let me do that. I think he did. I think I did do it. I think I did wait 10 minutes. And then when it appeared, I just jumped on it and I was gone. <laughs> I could just totally see the DM going, okay, Andrew. Oh, no, you're still okay. We're everyone. Okay, next player because he's still doing the thing. Yeah. He's still casting that spell. <laughs> yeah, that was the same adventure where my character fell in love with someone and then he found out she was a dragon. And. He basically was like, I'm fine with that. That's okay. I could totally do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Is that all the spells? That's all the spells. Yeah. You mentioned. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I These are our simple dungeoneering tips. And... Out of all of these tips, I think the most important one is the very first one that, that Andrew mentioned, which was uh, plan something. Don't dive in. Take a peek, come back, and then make a plan. to Because if you take a peek and don't see anything, all right, okay. But if you go in, take a peek, and then decide, you know, gee, uh, yeah, I better, yeah, we better, there's a dragon in there. <laughs> I looked through the keyhole, and there was a large red dragon. I'm not sure what he's doing, but perhaps we shouldn't go in. Yeah, I think always it's it's useful, especially in a dungeon because you're, you know, you're in a structure that you, you know, it might it might be hard to get out of, it, and it's going to be really easy to defend probably for who, whoever's in there. I know one time uh, Shane's party in the adventure we had in the southern territories in the world of Mir, you found out about the bandits who had a floating castle. 
Yes. And you found a way to get into the castle and then you just went in. And you were looking for the bandit leader, but as you made your way through this castle, which was floating above the ground, um, filled with bandits, you discovered that the leader of the bandits was a beholder, was not a human. And all you know what broke out. So it would have been difficult to do recon for a place like that, but you could try to, you know, you could have a druid who shape changed. I don't think you had a druid in that party. Uh, I don't think we did. We were, yeah. pretty, I know that I played uh, in that adventure. I think that was the one where I was, I think a couple of different barbarians. Yeah. I think you were uh, still Raven. Remember, did we, did we steal Griffins or something to get up to the you thing? Did. I mean, you did. Even, even if we, you know, got up there, we could have been a bit more subtle and you know scoped things around flew around we went straight to the you know the landing bay rather yeah. than you know taking the time to say okay all right uh let's how we do a few loops around just take a look see if we can see inside the windows or see if we can yeah you know or, or whatever and yeah you know you could have questioned the bandits who were the griffin riders who were going back and forth you could have interrogated one of them or, you know, there's spells like the Zone of Truth, cast Zone of Truth on someone. Um, in hindsight, we're terrible players. Oh, no. <laughs> Strategists? No. I don't just fly in. Yeah. Well, I think to think that that's having the viewpoint that you win and lose the game. And D&D &D just isn't like that's that. That's a good point. Right? D&D, no, &D, we're just having fun. And sometimes those decisions that maybe weren't strategically the best can be the most fun so i wouldn't take true. anything away from what what players do because it, it's a game you're having fun like you know i have yeah. to do it i have to do it it's just a game but yeah but there are there are ways to do it though like you could you could have you know have maybe had a familiar animal companion um you could have maybe gone to the nearest settlement and question people maybe somebody's been in there before i mean they have to get food and supplies somehow in a flowing yeah. castle so yeah it's just another way of playing the game but i wouldn't say it's the only way because if you're no if i mean that's only, true yeah if you're only concerned about strategy and the numbers of the game and and surviving then you're becoming a min maxer and a you know that's not what the game is really made for i mean it's Again, that's a way to play, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it's okay to have your Leroy Jenkins moments for sure, for sure, exactly. Yeah. Which we've we've had plenty. Like, oh, there's yeah. that's not the only one because I'm thinking all the other ones I'm kind of popping to my head now. I'm like, yeah, Andrew's right. Yep, yeah, it's okay. You just you, you didn't die, or maybe one person <laughs> died, but who cares? They came back as somebody else. <laughs> but um. So that yeah, as Andrew said, that's kind of it. Our sort of top th things of, of what uh, are important in time in terms of players uh, rooting their way through a dungeon. Uh, you don't want to go. You don't want to be too gentle, but you don't want to be too brash. You just kind of want to be somewhere in the middle. And uh, as you rightfully pointed out, it's just a game, so you're supposed to be having fun. So who cares? Mm -hmm. Set fire to your hair and start running through the dungeon and see what happens. Because <laughs> you know, interesting things can happen. Um. So next week, uh, we will be talking about something else. It'll be great. 
Uh, it's right here in my notes, but I, I'm gonna shh. It's a secret. You can't know this one because it's it's way too sensitive. There are so many people involved. Uh, there's gonna be 80 people in this podcast that day. It's gonna be a blast <laughs> or something. Um, of course, everything uh, that we've talked about, any important links and stuff like that, they'll all be down below in the description of the video. And I certainly hope you guys can follow them up and also tell people about the show. You you are out there. I hope we're doing something you like. And of course, uh, I hope, Andrew, if you put the special link where you can leave us a message uh, on the podcast and we'll get an audio piece that we can either then play or at least respond to, it'll be great. I think uh, more people should do that because getting involved you know us just talking is one cool thing we're kind of you know okay at it but if you guys talk at us and give us some information or tell us some stuff we should talk about the show will get even better so uh thank you all again and we'll see you next week bye-bye check out the kickstarter oh, oh yes yeah. don't forget that <laughs> don't forget the kickstarter it's very <laughs>